Good morning. God has blessed us uh, with a beautiful Lord's Day that we can come together and worship His name. He blessed us with uh, some rain uh, a couple nights ago, but we still need more. And we need to all be praying that God will send some rain our way uh, to replenish the earth. Everything is very dry, and so we need everybody working together and praying together uh, that we would see some rain very soon. But today is a beautiful, brisk fall day. It's like the first day of fall. I feel like it's been summer up until today, but we're thankful for the cool weather that God has provided, and we're thankful that all of you are able to be here this morning. Whether you're a long-time member or you're a first-time visitor, we are thankful for your presence. And we pray that by the time you leave this place, you'll be enriched, you'll be blessed, uh, you'll be challenged by the Word of God that we are going to encounter in a few moments. And we're just thrilled that you've come our way today. I want to say very quickly that tonight uh, at 5 o'clock, we're going to be showing a film in this auditorium. We do this from time to time. Uh, show faith-based movies. Tonight, we're going to be watching Woodlawn. And I don't know how many of you have seen Woodlawn. I think it's worth seeing. Uh, It's a movie about football, which we've got a lot of people who love football in here. We're not going to get into what team you support. We can all agree. Maybe this is a point of unity. We all love, many of us love football. It's about racial reconciliation Uh, And it's also, most importantly, about the power of the gospel and how the message of Jesus can still impact lives today. And so I hope you'll come back tonight at 5. Don't forget it's at 5, not at 6. Be here at 5, and we'll have our kids program going uh, for children ages 2 all the way to 2nd grade. So you'll be able to send them down there if you've got kids in that age bracket. And you can come in here and enjoy that film with us at 5 o'clock. As we begin this morning, I want us to do a quick rewind to our Prophets series that wrapped up several weeks ago. We're going to go back and we're going to glance at the book of Hosea, chapter 4. And as we turn there, and as this hopefully pops up on the screen, uh, in verses starting in verse 1, God has a bone to pick with Israel. He's got a problem with Israel. And If you were here for any of our prophet series, that probably sounds like a broken record. We said that most every week. God has a problem with Israel. We're going to look specifically at what that is in these verses. He's got a serious bone to pick with them. In verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, says the prophet Hosea. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Never words that you want to hear regarding God. God has a controversy With you, that's what the people have to hear here in this verse. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love. This is the problem. And look at what comes next. There is no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing. There's lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. So you have all these problems and and sins these heinous acts of unrighteousness in verse 2 that are the result of a lack of knowledge in the land. Knowledge specifically about God and about His character and about His will. And without knowledge of all of that, this is what you get. This is what society looks like in verse 2 when you ignore 
growing in the knowledge of God. Look in verse 6, this thought continues. The first part of verse 6, my people are not just damaged, they're not just negatively affected, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. Now let's think about Hosea's statement to ancient Israel here. Could some of these statements describe our society? Could they describe our culture? Our nation? You have rejected knowledge? There is no knowledge of God in the land? And we look at that description back in verse 2 of all those sins, and we can look around at our society from the very top to the bottom, from the power brokers to the poor. These are problems, these are sins that are running rampant in our society today. And we can say, as we look at American culture, that that results from a lack of knowledge. Because people have rejected knowledge of God in our land. Surveys tell us that 88% of American households own a Bible. 88%. That's pretty high. That may be higher than you even thought. In fact, there are an average of 4.7 Bibles per household. Now, in my household, we far exceed that number. And I don't share that uh, because I'm bragging with you or because I think the number of Bibles equates to the level of righteousness that somebody has. But when I think about all the Bibles at our house, sitting on the shelves... That belong to either me or Lauren or the girls. We've got a bunch of kids' Bibles. When I think about all the Bibles on the shelf of my office, I bet we've got upwards of 20, maybe more than 30 Bibles. And if you combine that with all of the devices that you have that connect you to God's Word, where you can access the Bible uh, at all times, we have easier access to the Word of God than any other generation in history. And that's a blessing. It's a wonderful thing when I, when I see the, U, the uh, version Bible app, how many languages they have translated the Bible into and, and how many nations across the globe uh, now have access to God's Word. It's a wonderful thing. But then consider this. Only 37% of Americans read the Bible once a week or more. 37%. And that might seem a little high to you as well. It sort of does to me. And so the Bibles are plentiful, but the readers are few. And it seems that in our land, as was true in ancient Israel, there is less and less knowledge of God. And people are not seeking after the knowledge of God. And some have just flat out rejected the knowledge of God. Well, why is this such a big problem? Why is lack of knowledge of God such a big issue? Well, the reason is, God has a lofty goal. For this world. Look with me in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 14. You don't have to turn there if you don't like. I've got it up here on the screen for you. Listen to God's vision for the world. For the earth will be filled. And this is in direct contrast from what we just read in Hosea. There's a lack of knowledge in the land, you've rejected knowledge. But God's vision for the world is that everybody know about God and not just know about God, but know God. God's vision is the earth will be filled with knowledge about me, with knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. Of course, waters cover the sea. That's what the sea and the oceans consist of. And it's God's goal, it's God's aim, 
that all people everywhere in every nation, every tribe, every tongue, everybody knows about God, has knowledge of God's character, knowledge of His will, access to His Word. That is His vision for the world, that all would come to the knowledge of God. And let me just, let me just lay something on you. Let me place a burden on your shoulders because we've got a responsibility in this matter. We have a job to do, church. God's people, it was Israel then, it's, it's the new Israel now, it's the church now. We exist so that the nations might come to know God. That is why we're here. And so if you came into this house of worship today looking for your purpose in, in seeking to understand why in the world God put you here in this life, why it is that you exist, here it is. God's vision for the world is that everybody know about God and God's purpose for the church is to ensure that this happens. That is why we exist. So that all nations might come to know God. That's our purpose. That's our goal. But to embrace this most important mission, we must look inside ourselves. And I think even before we set our eyes on the world around us, even before we cast our eyes on the community around us, and before we start thinking about how we can reach people for Christ and tell people about who God is and increase the knowledge in our county, in our state, and our country, and the world, we've got to do some self-examination. We've got to look inside of ourselves, and we've got to make sure that we're committed to growing in the knowledge of God as believers. I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul has to say in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It's a prayer that he prays for these ancient Christians in the city. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that what? You may be filled with the knowledge of His will. We've been praying from the moment that you were converted, that you would be filled filled with the knowledge of His will, that you would constantly increase in the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. And here it is again, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul has this deep desire that the people that, that he is ministering to in this church would grow and increase in the knowledge of God. Is that a desire that we have for ourselves? Is it a desire that we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ that we gather with on, on a weekly basis? Do, is this a prayer that we pray that we would all together grow in the knowledge of God and increase in spiritual wisdom and understanding? It was a desire for Paul. Why, why isn't it for us? Eugene Peterson uh, is a biblical scholar, and he's the author of the very popular paraphrase of the Scriptures called The Message. There are 17 million copies in print. I bet some of you own one. I own one or two. But let me tell you somebody else who owns a copy of The Message and is a huge fan. It's the musician Bono. So if you're 50 and under, you probably, and I don't want to divide us along you know, age lines. I'm, I'm not a divider. I'm a uniter. But, just to explain uh, Bono, if you're 50 and under, you probably know about him. He is the lead singer of this world-famous 
uh, band U2 from Ireland. But many of you may not know about Bono, and Eugene Peterson had never heard of Bono. But Bono so appreciated Eugene Peterson's work on the message uh, that he called him up one day and he asked him to go hang out. And so what would you do if Bono called to ask to hang out with you? Well, maybe you don't really care and you wouldn't go, but if you knew how famous Bono was, even if you didn't care about him or his music, you'd probably still go and meet him. Maybe you'd take a picture with him, get his autograph. Maybe, you know, your grandkids or your great-grandkids would be impressed with that. You know what Eugene Peterson said? I'm busy. Sorry. I can't make it. He turned him down. He turned down Bono. And the reason was, he was working on translating the Old Testament, specifically Isaiah, and he simply didn't have time. He was too busy translating the Scriptures. So he does an interview, Eugene Peterson, with a man named Dean Nelson. And in the interview, Dean Nelson tells Peterson, you know, you may be the only person alive to turn down that opportunity. I mean, come on. It's Bono for crying out loud. And Peterson paused for a moment. And then he said, Dean, it was Isaiah. In other words, I don't care if it was the most famous singer in the world, the most popular celebrity, I was studying the Scriptures. And that is what's most important. Now listen, there are voices in our world and in our heads, maybe more voices than ever before, that sound like the voice of that interviewer. The one who conducted the interview with Mr. Peterson. These are voices that draw us away from growing in the knowledge of God. They're voices that say, come on, it's your favorite TV show. You don't have to be growing in the knowledge of God. You need to be watching that. You don't want to get behind because you might hear what happens from somebody at church or school or work. So you've got to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Come on, it's a concert. It's your favorite band. You've been wanting to go. Come on, what are you thinking? Don't turn down this opportunity. Make sure you go to that. Come on, it's football. It's basketball. It's baseball. Come on, you're tired. Reading can wait. Save studying for another time. You can skip Sunday school. Skip Wednesday night class. You've got other things to do. Come on. And the question is, will we respond as Peterson did to the question he received in that interview? No. It's the Scriptures. And increasing in the knowledge of God is more important than any of that stuff. It's more important than meeting the most famous person in the world. You know, even mature believers continue, must continue to grow in the knowledge of God. This is a quest that all of us must be on. The Christian faith, it's not a list of doctrines that we master and we get these under lock and key and we've got all our facts lined up and then we spend the rest of our days defending those and and just sitting pretty and, and riding it out until Jesus comes back. Such a view leads to complacency. We stop reading God's Word. We stop studying. We stop seeking to discover more about God's will for our lives. You know what else it does? It leads to pride. It leads us to thinking that we know better than anybody else. We're better than everybody else because we've got everything mastered and we've figured it all out. No, we've got to be humble in our approach to God. We've got to know that we can never fully mine the depths of God's character and God's will 
for our lives. Now certainly, believing certain doctrines and having certain beliefs is of the utmost importance. But we'll never fully understand what God's will is. We'll never fully grasp His character. We'll never fully understand His love for us. And what he's, the lifestyle that He's called us to live. And so, even those of us who are most mature in the faith, who are wisest, who are uh, the most far along in years, we must continue to seek Him. And this keeps us humble. I remember uh, sitting around the table with my family, and it was a holiday of some sort, maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas, and my grandfather begins to tell a story about his childhood. And when he's finished, my grandmother looks over at him and says, well, I've never heard that one before. And at that point, they had been married for at least 40 years. And I bet you've had a a similar experience in your marriage or maybe when you became an adult and you were talking to a parent who was on up in years and they shared a story with you from when you were young or from when they were young and you had never heard them tell that story before. Now, if my grandparents had not yet learned everything about one another, how much more have we yet to learn about God from His Word? We must continue to seek. We must continue to grow and increase in the knowledge of God. Now, growing in the knowledge of God should be a commitment for every single Christian. And the reason, as we've already established, is we have got a vital mission to fulfill. God's vision is that The knowledge of His glory would fill the entire earth. Now that's a tall order. That's a big job. And we need everybody to pitch in on that. And to do that, we've got to be growing in the knowledge of God ourselves if we even have a shot of being successful at fulfilling God's vision. And so for this reason, growing in the knowledge of God is going to be our goal in 2017, church. We're going to go ahead and share that with you this morning. I know we've got several weeks left in 2016. I'm not trying to rush the rest of this year by. It's gone by fast enough on its own. But we want to go ahead and share with you that our theme, our goal, our aim in the year of 2017 is to grow in the knowledge, to increase in the knowledge of God. And to accomplish this, every reader, and I'll let you decide whether or not you're a reader. Every reader, and that doesn't mean do you like to read or not. Okay, if you're an adult and you can read, then you're a reader, all right? You get, you get one of these. Every reader in this congregation is going to be given this devotional book. It's called One Word. And you know, a couple weeks ago, I put a little blurb in the bulletin that said, we've got some exciting news to announce in two weeks, and it's news that affects all our church family. And you know, after I plugged that in, I thought... Maybe I set the bar a little too high. I don't want people to be let down when I just pull a little devotional book. I mean, I don't know, maybe some people thought we were going to take everybody down to Disney World, you know, on the church's dime, or we were going to get everybody a new car. Well, it's not a new car, but it is a new book. And you get a book, and you get a book, and you get a book. Everybody gets a book. But the truth is, we ought to be excited about this because our hope and our prayer is that this resource is going to help all of us grow in our knowledge of God so that we can help fulfill God's mission for us, which is to ensure that the world is filled with the knowledge of His 
glory. So every reader is going to be given one of these books, and we'll read it throughout the year, and I'll be preaching through this book uh, during the year. All of these devotionals in this book were written by ministers, over 50, well, 53 ministers in Churches of Christ, some of whom have been here to speak, others you may have never heard of, some you probably have. And my prayer, my hope, uh, and I hope it will be yours as well, is that this book will help us to grow in our knowledge of God's Word, specifically by teaching us about God's words. Those holy words long preserved, those ancient words of our faith that we sang about right before the lesson. It is our belief that the word, the very words of God's Word, all the words of God's Word are inspired. They are God-breathed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. So let me tell you how this book works. It's divided into 53 sections for 53 weeks. There are 53 Sundays in 2017, by the way. And each week focuses on a different word from Scripture. So here is the table of contents filled with all of these words from Scripture. Hopefully by the end of the year we will have a greater mastery of these words from God's Word. Creation, sin, kindness, resurrection, marriage, fellowship, baptism, prophecy, suffering, justification, crucify, Christ, Holy Spirit. That's just a small sampling of the words that we're going to be digging into. So, 53 sections for 53 weeks. Each week focuses on a different word. And each week includes five devotional thoughts about that particular week's word. And so here's how it's going to work. Books are going to be available to you the last three weeks of December in the lobby. And on January the 1st, I'll preach a sermon on the first word from this book, which is actually the word, Word, capital W. Is anybody confused yet? I hope not. We'll offer some more instruction as the weeks go on. My aim in this series is to preach in a way that helps everyone grow. And that's a challenge. To get up here and to preach a sermon to 375, 400 people that connects with you and speaks to you no matter where you are on your journey with God. But my goal is, if you're a new believer, if you're a visitor, my goal is to introduce you to the vocabulary of the Christian faith and to share with you the words that make up God's Word so that you can come to understand some of these fundamental concepts of God's Word. My goal, if you're a mature believer, is to help you dig deeper into these words, to help you discover insights that maybe you had never seen before. Uh, I want us all to, to grow, no matter where we're, if we're here or we're, we're back here. I want us to, to make some steps, some forward strides in our spiritual growth and our spiritual journey, and that will be through discovering and digging into the words of God's Word. So, I will preach on Sunday, and then you'll read about that Word Monday through Friday. So January 1, I'll preach about Word. January 2nd through, I'm not a good math person, whatever it is, five days later, you will read about that Word. And in the bulletin, on Facebook, on the screen, we will provide you a reading plan that will hopefully keep you on track. If you get on track, if you get off track, it'll be easy for you to get back on. You just hop back on whatever word we're talking about for that particular week. And if you want more information, 
you can go to onewordstudy.com. But not right now. Do that later. Don't be surfing the web right now. But that will provide you uh, with some more information about this program. So I hope that you will be praying about this. I hope that it is something you're excited about. I mean, I'm sorry we can't take everybody to Disney World or give you a new car. But this, this is more important. Uh, this is more vital. And hopefully, as we talked about earlier, this is something that we can all get excited about. As it was Paul's desire for the Colossians to grow in the knowledge of God, that ought to be our desire for ourselves for our church family, so that we can fulfill our mission, which is to teach the whole world about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I've challenged you to pray about it, and I'd like to get us started right now with a word of prayer, lifting up what we're going to be doing in 2017 with these books. Let's pray. Father, we come before you humbly. We know that we are unworthy to approach your throne. And yet, because of Your Son, Jesus Christ, You have made us righteous. You've made us holy in Your sight. And we're thankful that as baptized believers, the blood of Christ has washed our sins away and made us pure and white as snow. Father, we at this time lift up this new program, this new activity that we're embarking upon. I pray that we'll be disciplined and dedicated in our use of these books. I pray that in using these books, we will learn more about you and about your character and about your will for our lives. We're thankful that such a book was assembled. We're thankful for the men who worked really hard to put it together to make sure that it can be in all our hands. And Father, we pray that you would use it to your glory and that we would grow by leaps and bounds in our knowledge of you and in our relationship with you. And we're thankful for this church family. We're thankful for the warm fellowship that we share here and for the way that we can lean on one another, especially when the going gets tough. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the salvation and the life that we can experience through Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. So, let me share as we wrap up here that knowledge of God, we've talked all morning about how important knowledge is. But knowledge of God is not the ultimate goal. It's a means to an end. Knowledge is meant to lead us into a relationship with God. You know, you don't learn more about another person simply to accumulate facts. And I know my wife's leaving, but I was going to share a little uh, illustration about our relationship. She'll have to, I'll just have to tell her, tell her about it later. But, you know, when we first started dating and we were falling in love, uh, and I knew her many years before we started dating, but uh, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more about what she liked. I wanted to know more about her family or her interests. But it wasn't because I just wanted to accumulate facts about her. It wasn't because I wanted to compile some list of, of uh, informational nuggets on her life. It's because I cared about her. Because I was falling in love with her. And the same is true with our relationship with God. We don't seek to grow in our knowledge of God just to increase the number of facts we have in our head about who God is and what His will is. We want to grow in our knowledge because 
We want to grow in our relationship with God. Knowledge is not the end. It's, it's a means to lead us into a relationship with God. And of course, this special relationship that God allows us to enter into with Him brings about salvation and eternal life. And so that's the goal. That's the goal for us. That's the goal for our congregation. That's the goal for our world. It starts with us in growing in our knowledge of God and in our relationship with God. But most certainly it doesn't end with us because we've got a very important mission to fulfill. To assist God in ensuring that the earth is filled with the knowledge of His glory and His goodness. So this morning I want to ask you, has your knowledge of God brought you to the point that you're ready to enter into a relationship with Him? Listen, you don't have to know all there is about the Bible. You don't have to know all there is to know about the Christian faith to take that most important step of faith and be baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Here's what I think you ought to know. I think you ought to know that you're a sinner. I think you ought to know that you need a Savior. And I think you ought to know that that Savior is Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. If you know those things, if you sense that in your life there's something wrong, that no matter how hard you try, you just can't do what's right all the time, then you know that you have a problem that we call sin. That's kind of a churchy word these days. It's a word that's not used in our culture as much as it used to be. We ought to use it more than we do. But that is, is how we name the problem that exists in our world. All, if you sense that there is an issue in your, deep within your soul, that there's something amiss in your life, there's something wrong with you, then you're a sinner. And if you know that there's nothing you can do about it, there's nothing that you can do to fix yourself, then you know you need a Savior. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life that exists. Only by Him can you come into a relationship with God. And if you're ready to do that, we would be more than happy to assist you this morning to help you be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can come up up out of that water a new creation, ready to walk in newness of life. If you have any other spiritual problems, we want to invite you to come. Make those known. We'd love to pray with you. Or if you want to visit a couple of our elders uh, and, and have prayer with them after our worship, you can do that in the conference room. This is a song of encouragement. It's a song of invitation. We invite you to come right now as we stand.